Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Last week I started a series with you called The Mechanics of a Miracle. And we talked about faith and we talked about boldness. We talked more about faith than anything, but we talked about faith and boldness last week. And so when we talk about the mechanics of a miracle, we're talking about how miracles work. Now, let me kind of lay the foundation like I did last week so everyone understands, because there might be just a few here that weren't here last week. Uh, There's a difference between a healing and a miracle. A healing is the divine acceleration of health. That's That's what a healing is, or the rapid acceleration of divine health. Say, for instance, if you went to the doctor and you had to have some type of a surgery and your recovery was at a rapid pace, it's because God touched your body to do what it was created to do and heal itself by His power because He's the Creator. He gave your body the wherewithal to do that. And so that's a healing. But a miracle is something that happens just like that. Totally, just boom, like that. It's like Jesus said to the blind man, you know, to to be healed, and the, the scales just, just fell off of his eyes. And so he, he was completely healed. When Jesus healed the man that was let down through the roof, the Bible said that Jesus picked him up, and he just got up, and he had to come in a cot through the roof with the help of his friends, but he's able to shout his way out the door. He got a miracle. He got a miracle. So there's a difference between a healing and a miracle. So when we talk about the mechanics of a miracle, we're talking about what makes God do things just like that. That's what we're talking about. And so today what we're going to talk about is the name of Jesus, the power of His name, the authority of His name, what it means. Because if we don't have the accurate understanding of who He is and who we are, then we can't access the appropriated sacrifice that God had given to us. You see... Jesus, when He came to this earth and died on Calvary, He made it possible for us to access everything that Calvary paid for. That's powerful. Calvary paid for your salvation. Everybody knows that. Oh, here we go. Calvary paid for your salvation. But it also paid for your prosperity. And it also paid for your healing. And it also paid for your miracle. And it also paid so that the spirit of depression and oppression could lift off of your head. When Jesus died on Calvary and paid the price for our salvation and our healing and our prosperity and our peace of mind and things like that, when He did that, He did it one time. That sacrifice was so powerful that it will last throughout all Eternity. So here's, the, here's our challenge as people of faith, as people of the Word of God. Here's our challenge. First of all, we have to understand that whatever we need has already been satisfied in heaven's account. The second thing that we have to understand is that Jesus does not have to come back to this earth, be born of a baby, be born as a baby in a manger, live 33 and a half years, have three and a half years of ministry, walk down the Via Dolorosa, get crucified again every time we need a miracle or every time someone needs to get saved. Now, we don't believe that He has to do that every time someone needs to get saved. Why do we have to believe that that, that, that has to happen every time someone needs a miracle? 
So here's the thing we have to understand, that the sacrifice has already been paid. We have to learn how to access it. We have to learn how to access the power of God. So last week we talked about faith, boldness. Today I want to talk to you about the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Now, touch your neighbor and say, name means identity and authority. Tell them that. That's right, we're going to have some audience participation today. Name means identity and authority. Therefore, when people, listen, when, when people say the name in these parts, when people say the name Vorse, people automatically identify me with Lakewood. The reason is because we have worked very hard brand building the name of this church in our community. And people see that, see Lakewood as synonymous with who we are because it's part of my identity and it's part of who we are. Now let's bring that down to the level in which we live. When we as fathers have a son and they carry our name, then how many times does people say, oh, I know who you are. You're such and such as boy. Or if you're in eastern Kentucky, they'll look at you and they'll say, well, I don't know you, but who's your daddy? Why do they say that? Because name means identity and authority. And they might not know who Don Spencer is, my father-in-law, but if he says, well, my daddy was Herbert Spencer, they know exactly who he is, and immediately a picture of who he is comes into their mind, and they identify him and respect him based on who his father was until he's able to live long enough to develop the identity that God has given him. Now, here's the question I want to ask you this morning. When people say, who's your daddy? And you say, Jesus. Can they see Jesus in you? Can they see the identity of God in you? Now, also because Don Spencer is the son of Herbert Spencer, because he's the son of Herbert Spencer, when Herbert Spencer got older, if it became necessary for Don Spencer to do his father's business in the name of his father, he had the authority to do that because he is the son of Herbert Spencer. Well, are you getting this? And so when he says that we do things in his name, then what he's saying is everything that I've done you can do because you're a son of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and I give you my authority to get into the earth and to cast out devils and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper. Well, mm, yeah. Okay, Esther, y'all going to put a chair up here with you so you can help me preach this morning. Ah. Mm. We used to sing a song in church called this, In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. We have the victory, okay? So, uh, and, and I, I wrote that down because I, my mind just went back to, to the times when we, we would sing that song. And people would just shout and dance and, and bondages would fall off of people. We're just singing this song, In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Why? Because we're letting the devil know we know who we are. We're letting the devil know that we know who he is. And we're letting the devil know that we know who God is. And we're letting the devil know that we have the hookup with God. And so the devil knows that there's absolutely no way in the world that he can continue his mess because of our identity and authority in Jesus Christ. Now, 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Let's get going here. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By its very definition, the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. That's what it means. Now, we have to ask this. Because I know what went into your mind. Because it it went into mine for many, many years. When I say Jehovah is salvation, I immediately think about the day that my sins were gone. The day that I gave my life to Christ. But here's what I want to ask you. When it says Jehovah is salvation, saved from what? Not just our sins, but from our sickness, but from our disease, but from poverty, from the spirit of death. Now the Bible said it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. So all of us have that appointed time. But you don't have to, you don't have to take years and years and years die, you know, j- just dying. You can be delivered from that spirit of death. I really believe that. And so when we talk about Jehovah is salvation, we're talking about all of the things that Calvary paid for. Jehovah is salvation. The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. This means that we have authentic access to a very real God who has power over all the power and the works of the enemy and he made sure that we would have access to him and that access is through Jesus because of what the name Jesus represents. It represents identity and authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 11, the Bible says this, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only foundation that we need to be building upon. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In the King James Version, it says there is none other. None. Zilch. No. Touch your neighbor and say, No other name. So there's no other name under heaven given among men where I'm saved, healed, and delivered. No other name. There's no other name. Okay? So that's the name of Jesus. That's the meaning of the name. Jehovah is salvation. Now we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It's the verses leading up to this scripture. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is the price of that name. The price of that name. This man, Jesus, climbed Calvary and died for our sins. He humbled himself and died in the sinner's place. 
And the Bible says this is the price of the name. He made himself of no reputation. Jesus did not have to come to earth and do what he did. His father asked him to, but he could have said no. Jesus did not have to do this. But then the Bible said that he made himself of no reputation. So he stripped himself in the very beginning of his own identity. He had absolutely no reputation whatsoever. And then the Bible said, being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then we go into verses 9 through 11, which was our springboard text. And, and there is a hinge word there between verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, and verse 9, 10, and 11. And that hinge word is wherefore. Wherefore. So what God was saying was, you know what, you humbled yourself. You came to the earth. You did what we asked. You became the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. You made yourself of no reputation. Wherefore, I'm going to highly exalt you because you made yourself of no reputation. I'm going to exalt you and give you a name which is above every name. But not only am I going to give you a name which is above every name, but I'm going to make you the head of an organism that's called the church which will be your body, the fullness of God who is all in all. And I'm going to let that church be called by the same name that you're called by, which is far above principalities, powers, mights, and dominions, every name that is named in this world and that which is to come. So here's what I want us to get across here in the very, in the very beginning stages of what I'm trying to teach you here today. I want us to understand that by virtue of the name of Jesus that has been attached to us the day that we gave our life to Christ that we walk in authority that we do not understand. So if the Bible said that God has made Christ to be the head of the church and the church is to be the body and we're all called by the name of Jesus and we have that authority and we have that identity and we have that power, then why do we always let the devil get up in our stuff? Come on. Touch your neighbor and say, don't let him get in your stuff. (laughs) Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 6 says this. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher where Jesus was supposed to be laying dead. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now this was the after a shock in hell. The aftershock in hell. Because this earthquake, according to the scripture, didn't happen the day that Jesus died. It happened the day that the angel rolled away the stone, which was three days later. So hell was still quaking and quivering and saying, I can't believe this is happening. And so the Bible said there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. It's almost like, all right, come on, devil. Come on, you spirit of death. Come on, let's see what happens here. And look at this. I just love this. And his countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. That's because he was soaked in the glory. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. 
And who ever said that falling under the power wasn't in the Bible? There's another example of it right there. Hallelujah. They were in the presence of God. And then the Bible said, For fear of him the keeper shook and became his dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. (laughs) Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Come on, celebrate him this morning. So what are you saying here this morning? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. We're not serving a God that's dead. When we talk about authority, when we talk about identity, when we talk about power, we talk about those things, we're talking about someone who has the ability, has the authority, has the power to do what he said he has done. So when we go to him in the name of Jesus, calling upon his authority, authority, running into the bank of heaven, saying, I need to check out a miracle. Then the miracle has to come. And when the sickness comes in contact with what we checked out, the sickness has to flee because there's not room for sickness and the power of God in the same place. Now, this leads me to the fact that there is healing in the name of Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we have at least 35 different miracles that were recorded that Jesus performed. At least 35 of them. Go to Luke chapter 7. Let's just look at one of them. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. You all with me? The Bible said, Now when he had ended... All his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. Now, it wasn't so much the centurion that was dear to Jesus. The Bible said the servant was. And when he heard of Jesus, this centurion heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. So this centurion was trying to embrace who Jesus was, but at the same time he was still trying to hang on to the old. Because he sent the elders of the Jews. And so the Bible said he comes to Jesus here. And the Bible said, uh, And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loves our nation and he's built us a synagogue. Jesus went with them and the Bible said he was not far from the house. And the centurion sent friends to him saying unto him, 
Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. I think something happened during the time that he sent the elders and Jesus came. Because see, here's what happens. The closer, the closer Jesus gets to us, the more we change. And so he's coming up and, and this centurion servant probably had talked to him about Jesus and this centurion was trying to find his way to God. And so the Bible said, Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. So he had already learned how faith works. Faith works by confession, remember from last week? He said, just say the word and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go and he goeth, and to another, come and he cometh, and to my servant, do this and he doeth it. Now listen, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Why? Because the centurion was walking in the revelation of authority. Look at it again. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed, for I am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he, do, and he doeth it. And Jesus marveled, because he knew that he understood authority. Now listen. Jesus turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Look at verse 10. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Now here's what I want, to, want us to understand out of this passage of Scripture. The revelation of, of authority and the activation of faith combined attracts the anointing. Are you hearing me? The revelation of authority combined with the activation of faith attracts the anointing, now here we go, that produces the manifestation that you set your faith out for. So what are you saying? How can we bring this home to us, Pastor? Here's, here's how we can bring it home. Listen to me. When you understand who you are, and when you understand who God is, and when you understand the authority that you have in your family name, which is the name Jesus, because the Bible said all of his family and in heaven and earth is named after Jesus. That's in the book of Ephesians. So when we understand all of this and we appropriate it, then we have just set ourselves up for the transfer of the anointing that can produce miracles in our life on a daily basis. People will start calling you a miracle man. They'll start calling you a miracle woman. You see, that's why I say that the supernatural should become natural to the spirit-filled child of God. It's just the life that we live. There are so many miracles that take place around this church. They happen all of the time. Somebody say, how come you don't tell us about more of them? To be honest with you, we just don't think about it. We're not in the business of marketing miracles. We're in the business of lifting up the name of Jesus. 
And so we lift up the name of Jesus, then miracles just start happening. Pop, 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 pop. Miracles all of the time. And when the world sends them, they're like, wow, 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 wow. We're sitting here going, yeah, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. That's what my daddy does. He just works miracles. He heals the sick, cleanses the leper, raises And so there's healing in the name of Jesus. Now look at this. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. Jesus said, if we lay hands on the sick in his name, that they will be healed. Jesus told you to go heal the sick. He told you to go cast out devils. You say, well, the Lord's going to heal them. He already did. 2,000 years ago. He already did. It's a done deal. Our miracle is here. We just have to learn how to access it. And so we pray prayers of faith. We pray prayers of agreement. We confess the word. We stay strong in faith. We stay strong in the word of God. We make sure we keep the right people around us. Make sure the atmosphere is set. And we just set ourselves up to receive it. You know what? You are living on the brink of a miracle every single day of your life. I'm just trying to get you over the brink. I just want to help you understand I can have a miracle today. I can have a miracle tomorrow. I can have a miracle Tuesday. I can have a miracle with... Are you getting this? I can have a miracle Thursday. You have an identity. You have authority. And you have power. So not only is there healing in the name of Jesus and through the name of Jesus, there's deliverance in and through the name of Jesus. No less than six times in the Gospels do we see that we know of where Jesus cast out devils. At least six times. Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 41. Here's what the Bible says. And he rose up out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. So we see the miracle that took place when Jesus just rebuked a fever. You see, Jesus walked into Simon's, you know, and, and there she was. She had a, a had a fever, and Jesus said, I rebuked that in the name of Jesus, and the fever left, and she got up and fixed them lunch. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Verse number, number 40, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick, listen, any sick, all they that had any sick, I told you this is, this is the best church growth program in the world right here. All he did was rebuke a fever and it was gone. And the Bible said he stood over her, rebuked the fever, it left her. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art Christ the Son of God, and He rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew He was the Christ. There are too many of us today who are having a dialogue with the devil. I'm getting ready to put him where he belongs here in just a few moments. But they're like, oh, you're, you're Jesus. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. Oh, 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 let us get on this bag and let us get on this bag. And Jesus says, shut up. We got too many people today in the church that's entertaining the devil. 
they, <laughs> Jesus put it like this. Jesus said this. He said, outwardly they're whited sepulchers, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And so people dress up real nice and they come to church and, and they want to put on their shout and they want to put on their praise. But if God would just peel back that mask right there is what you would see. That's why you've got to be discerning. That's why you've got to be careful. That's why it's very, very important for us to understand that we have power and that we have authority over the devil and so on. We're going to handle you here in just a moment, you old devil. So, we, so then we go on here. And the Bible said that, that Jesus cast out the devils. Every single one of them that came, Jesus cast them out. And many crying said, You're Christ, the Son of God. And He rebuked them and suffered them not to speak, for they knew that He was the Christ. Now, let me continue on here. Luke 4.41. No, Acts chapter 7, verse 55. Stephen saw Jesus seated at the right hand of God, which was a place of power and authority. I don't have time to get into that anymore. All right, now, I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. How? Through thy name. Jesus sent 70 out. They came back and said, wow, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. How come? Because they know who Jesus is. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So he said, listen, it doesn't surprise me any at all that the devils are subject unto you in my name because I was there the day that God cast him out of heaven. I was there the day that he was defeated. I was there the day that he was destroyed. Now, come here, BJ. Come on, help me up here, son. Come on, come on. All right, one of my spiritual sons here. Now, just now, now you're not the devil or anything like that, but I just need a little help, okay? <laughs> you just stand right there, okay? All right. This is not what God did. God didn't say, you know, Satan comes up to him, you got the five eye wheels, you know, Satan comes up to him and, and, and he knows he's getting ready to get cast out of heaven. He's not, now God, can we talk about this? I don't think any of that happened. And the Bible didn't say that God just kind of tossed him out of heaven like that. No, you were supposed to catch that, but that's okay. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. God didn't do that, Okay. He didn't just like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm going I'm to toss it down. The Bible said, Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. When God, now watch this, when God cast Satan out of heaven, here's what he did. Are you ready? Are you ready? Not only did he do that, here's what he said. He said, after, you, after he done that, he said, I'm going to give my church the power and the authority to tread on him. Come on, tread on him. Come on, put him where he belongs. Come on, just put him, put him where he belongs. Hallelujah. Come on. This is what some of you need to do to the devil. This is what you need to do. Now that's passive aggression. That's what you need to do to the devil. I get accused of that sometimes. I put the devil underneath my feet. Now, now I want you to look, look, look. There's, there's a footprint on the wrong side. There we go. Now there's footprint. 
And he don't look none too happy, does he? All right, now. Now, let me, <laughs> let me work on this. Behold, I give you power. Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all, all, come on, somebody shout, all, all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy and nothing. And the last I checked, nothing means nothing. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's why we can say, if God be for me, who can be against me? That's why we can say the battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. That's why we can say no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises against me in judgment, we will condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. That's why we can quote the word. That's why we can quote the scriptures over the enemy that wars against us because we have the authority and we we have the power and we have the right because we are identified with Christ and Satan is underneath our feet. Now, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, that doesn't mean we're snake handlers. I know you all know my wife came from Kentucky. I didn't come from there, but she did. Okay, we don't handle snakes around here. We just handle them with a hoe. Or a 357. (laughs) Now, notwithstanding in this, (laughs) notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, why would he say that? Because the fact that the spirits are subject to us should be as common as the loaf of bread that we make our sandwich with today. So many people celebrate the fact that the devil's under my feet. I'm just going to celebrate the devil's under my feet. I'm just going to, you know, quit giving him so much credit. I mean, God cast him out of heaven like a bolt of lightning. That's what God thinks of him. You know, sometimes people just get to the point where they're just a little bit, oh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, we have to respect our enemy. Who said? Who said you have to respect the enemy? Who said you have to respect the devil? Who said you have to respect him? You have power over him. You have authority over him. He's under your feet. You walk all over him. He's already under your feet. You're walking in victory. You're walking in power. You're walking in authority. You don't have to respect the devil. Respect that? I don't think so. Uh Uh-uh. If God cast it down, I don't want nothing to do with it. Okay, now I'm going to be a pastor. You ready? So if God cast him down, and we're not supposed to have anything to do with him, and we're supposed to have victory over him, and we're supposed to have him under our feet, and we're supposed to be identified with Christ and walk in his authority and his power and his identity, then how come we let the devil mess with us so much? How can we play into him? Here's the pastoral part. 
with gossip and with backbiting and with envy and with strife and with bad attitudes and with... How can we do that? How can we let the devil... Because, see, this is what happens is the devil tries to work his way into our life so he can mess up the blessing, so he can mess up the anointing, so he can mess up the power of God. It's on your life. Listen to me very closely. You were destined to have dominion. You were destined to reign. You were destined to have authority over all the power and over all the works of the enemy. You are in the spot that Satan wants and he can't have it and he can never have it because God cast him out of heaven and he's a defeated foe and so because of his jealousy which is part of his character and because of his envy and his strife which is part of his character he's trying to pull you down to his level where you're under the church's feet at the same time that he is. That's no place to live. You look at that devil and you say, I think I'll pass on the gossip. I think I'll pass on the envy. I think I'll pass on the strife. I think I'll pass on the spirit of offense. I think I'm going to pass on all of those things because I'm too busy being blessed to address your mess. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Bible says, according to the power that works in us. So here's what the Bible said. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So I rejoice because of my identification with Christ. I rejoice because as He was, so are we, or as He is, so are we in this world. That's what the Bible says. How is He? Well, here's how He is. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you and I, taking His place of authority where the Bible said God's given Him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when people identify me with Christ, they are identifying me with an overcomer. Therefore, I'm an overcomer. How am I an overcomer? (laughs) If we give our life to Christ, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if we confess our our sins, He is faithful and just. Well, that's that's in 1 John. But the Bible says that we're supposed to confess Him. When I confess Him and He becomes the Lord of my life, and the Bible said that that's also known, the confession is also known as a testimony. The Bible said that we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, so we just appropriate the blood of Jesus. And then we testify about what he did for us, which raises us up above that mess and seats us with Christ in heavenly places. You might be here physically, but spiritually you're seated with Christ. Because of who you are. Because of what the scriptures say. All right, just one or two more scriptures. So there's victory through the name of Jesus. Victorious life. There are three different accounts of Jesus raising at least, or there are accounts of Jesus raising at least three different people 
from the dead. In John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44, here's what the Bible says. Jesus, again, groaning in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lays on it. He's talking about Lazarus. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Lazarus had been dead for four days. And they didn't embalm him back then like they do now. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of Lazarus, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead four days. I preached a message years ago called, Don't Let the Stink Stop You. Oh, don't get me started. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? You're over here sniffing around when all I want you to do is believe. There's too many people running around trying to sniff the devil out when all they need to do is just walk in the authority that God has given them and the devil will just naturally be defeated. I can't stand being around people that go around shaking bushes trying to get the devil to jump out so they can cast him out of the bush they just shook him out of. I can't stand that. That's nonsense. You walk in authority. You walk in power. Now let me, let, me, let me give you a little uh, story. Some of you have heard this story, but there's a lot of new people here. It's been a long time since I've shared it here. But when I was 17 years old, I was preaching a revival in Gore, Oklahoma. And there was a guy, and, and uh, he was demon-possessed. I mean, he was like big-time demon-possessed. He came up there toward the end of the service, and we were praying over him. And actually, some of the others were praying over him. And, and um, he just started foaming at the mouth and getting at the back, getting on his back and like almost like a snake slithering backwards down the aisle and all this kind of stuff. And they're all around him, come out in the name of Jesus, come out. All this kind of stuff. Well, the problem was they didn't know their authority or they didn't even, they didn't believe the authority that they were working in. I'm 17 years old and I'm just learning this stuff. Finally, I said, Lord, what am I going to do? This guy's taking up 30 minutes of the service. They're all sitting around and making all this great big thing, and the devil's getting a whole lot of attention. I was smart enough, 17 years old, to know the devil was taking over that service. The Lord spoke to me, and he said, you go to him, and you get down there in his ear, and you tell him who you are, and then you tell him who I am, and you tell him to shut up and to come out in the name of Jesus. So I went down there, and I whispered in his ear. I said, Devil, this is Jonathan Vorse. I come against you in the name of Jesus, who is my Savior and my Lord, and I command you to shut your mouth and come out of this man in the name of Jesus. And he immediately went limp. I didn't have to spit on him. I didn't have to pour a bucket of oil over him. Come on. I didn't have to holler, Come out, come out, come out, come out, until I was hoarse. Didn't have to do any of that stuff. Didn't have to do it. No, all the devil needed to see and hear was authority. So we prayed over him and he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the last I knew, he was serving in that church. It's been a lot of years now. I don't know where he's at or anything. But for several years, I kept track of him. And he was just worshiping God and became one of the best members of that church. People came up to me after the service and they said, What did you say to him? Come on, tell me. What did you say to them? And what they were looking for was a magic potion. Oh, come on. Which is witchcraft. 
Hallelujah. You can't cast the devil out by the prince of devils. You have to cast the devil out in the name of Jesus. And when the devil, and when the, you know, I, I don't have my glasses on, quite, so I can't hardly see your response, but that's fine. I'm just, pre- I'm feeling, I'm having a good time with this. Okay. When the devil understands that you know who you are, and you know who God is, I've said it two or three times, and you know who Jesus is, and that you got a hookup with him, then the devil ain't going to mess with you anymore. You know why? Because he's done been thrown down once and he's not going to be thrown down again. Now, let's go on here. Jesus said unto her, If thou wouldest believe, thou wouldest see the glory of God. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe thou hast sent me. When Jesus said, roll away the stone, and she said, but Lord, he's dead, and he's been dead four days, and he stinks, Jesus was saying, I want you to see the glory of God in the mind of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus, this was already a done deal. Already done. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say, now Lazarus, come on now Lazarus. Please Lazarus. Would you, Lazarus, now come on now, 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 come on. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lazarus, to come forth. Oh, I plead, God. I beg, God. How many times we pray like that? Put on your authority. Lazarus, come forth. It's a good thing he said Lazarus. Because Abraham would have come forth and David would have come forth and Solomon would have come forth and all of the prophets, the majors, and the minors. No, Jesus had to, Lazarus, I mean, you talk about a resurrection, but Lazarus, come forth. (laughs) And the Bible said, and he that was dead, not is dead, but he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin and Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they unwrap him. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine unwrapping a miracle? Can you imagine that? Jesus said, loose them and let them. Jesus could have went up there and nothing, but no, Jesus wanted them to get their hands on a miracle. Come on. You know, oh, uh, he don't sneak now, does he, Martha? <laughs> Doesn't sneak now. Don't stink now, does he? Loose him and, and, and let him go. And, and look at the results. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. First Peter chapter 3. This is our last scripture. First Peter chapter 3. I'm having a good time with this. I don't know. <laughs> First Peter chapter. I love the word. Don't you love the word? First Peter chapter 3. Verse 18. When Jesus also had once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, 
being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. What are you saying there, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus conquered death. He conquered death. The Bible says that when Jesus died, He went down into the lower parts of the earth and He set free those that were in the lower parts of the earth and He took them to be in the presence of God Almighty. That's why the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This idea that when we die, we just lay there and turn into dust until the trumpet sounds. People talk about, well, you'll just sleep till the trumpet sounds. That's not biblical. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord because Jesus conquered death, Jesus conquered hell, Jesus conquered the grave, and He released them. He conquered Him that had the power of death and released them and took them into the presence of of Almighty God. So when I say we have victorious life in the name of Jesus, I'm not just talking about victorious life right here on the earth, but I'm talking about throughout all eternity. You think this is fun? You wait till you get to heaven. We're not going to sit around on cotton ball clouds and grow little wings and look like a little cherub and say holy, holy, holy all day long every day. No, 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 no. He hung the worlds upon nothing. We're going to get our marching orders. We're going to get our working orders. We're going to go to work in the kingdom of our God. Hallelujah. We're going to be His people. He said, you be my people and I'll be your God. Okay, God, I'm your people. I'm God's people. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, you God's people. You belong to Him. He belongs to you. So Here's the point that I'm trying to make, or the points that I'm trying to make this morning, is that we have power in and through the name of Jesus. We have to understand who we are. We have to understand who God is. We have to understand who Jesus is. And we have to understand who the devil is and what happened to him and the fact that it happened to him and that it's still in effect. He's still under our feet. So we don't have to bargain with the devil. We don't have to make deals with the devil because we can be healed in the name of Jesus. We can be saved in the name of Jesus. We can be delivered in the name of Jesus. And we can live a victorious life in and through the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's so much more to teach and preach on this, but I just feel the anointing lifting for it now. Let's all stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669, or you may call us at 727 727- 
856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.